All right, story of Jonah today, and I, I'm going to give this little explanation right at the front end because every week I give you a, some kind of a space in the bulletin to write notes and follow along. I'm telling you this week that what you have listed in the bulletin is not necessarily an outline that's going to point for point follow where this message goes. Sometimes I do that, I know. So I'm, just so you're not caught off guard of, wait a minute, why is he not talking about these things I have written? Here's why that is, though, okay? Because I'm going through the story of Jonah, and what you have in your bulletin, if you follow notes there, is, is sort of a, a framework to be thinking about this story. Okay, so if you're looking at notes and following along, what I'm asking you to think about as you're working through notes on this is consider in this story of Jonah the way that the way that Jonah then receives God's mercy and responds to it, the way that Nineveh receives God's mercy and Jonah responds to that. But then underneath that, notice I've also got that as something for us to consider too. When we receive God's mercy, how do we respond to that? And when others receive God's mercy, how do we respond to that? Okay, so that, that's kind of the big picture framework. But aside from that, I'm going to be following through the story of Jonah here. And, and we're going to consider some of those themes as we go through that. All right, Jonah is one of those stories that I think if you've ever been spent time in Sunday school, you've heard of this one before. And maybe we think of Jonah in certain ways, right? Some things come to mind right away. Oh, Jonah, he's that guy who got swallowed by a fish, right? And then came back again. Or Jonah, he's that guy who tried to run away from God, but God brought him back anyway. Maybe those are the things we think about with Jonah. Maybe some of those lessons that we pull out of that then, right? With, that we think of things like, well, Jonah is that story that shows us that God gives second chances. He gave another chance to Jonah. He gave another chance to Nineveh. Or maybe Jonah is that story that shows that you can never run away too far for God to find you again. That he can get you no matter where. That his love will always reach you. Or maybe you think of Jonah as one of those stories that because it's in the Old Testament, points forward to Jesus. Oh, Jonah, he was that guy that went down in the fish in the sea, as good as dead, and three days later came back up again, right? There's something in the Jonah story that points ahead to what Jesus would do, going down in the grave and three days later coming back again. All right, all of those features are true about the story of Jonah, right? You you see all of that there. But this has been a series of messages where I've been focusing us on faith and the life of faith and what it means for us to be people of faith. So I want us to look in particular at the story of Jonah and consider how faith plays into this story. Jonah's faith in particular in ways that maybe are instructive for our own lives and our own faith, okay? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm I'm first going to read a bit, and this is chapter 3 and a little bit into chapter 4. It's not a long chapter. There's only 11 verses in chapter 3. So all of chapter 3 and then spilling a little bit into chapter 4. That gives us the baseline that we'll go with for the story of Jonah, okay? Here it goes. Chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. 
Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals Herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let them call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did, And how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jonah, the guy who ran away from God, got swallowed by a fish, came back, went to Nineveh. Nineveh repents, and then Jonah's not quite sure what to do with that what to do about that. So let's, let's consider some of this story as we go through this, all right? Hey, a little bit of, if you're not familiar with this story, let me just show you a few things that help with this, all right? So Jonah is in the area of Israel, right? That's over there. Nineveh is way up here. That's the way that goes. So what God is asking Jonah to do is go to this city that's not even a part of Israel, it's not even the Hebrew people. It's not the people that, uh, that are descendants of Abraham. And remember, at this time in the Old Testament, only the descendants of Abraham were the ones who were entitled to the promise of God. At least that's what they thought. So Jonah doesn't understand this. Why go to them? Way over there. He doesn't make that trip, right? He goes instead to the port town of Joppa and he gets on a boat that's sailing the other way. Let me trace through a little bit of this story so that you understand what it is Jonah's up to, the way it comes to us in this story, okay? So in those first two chapters, it's Jonah running away from God, and he repents from inside the fish, and he receives forgiveness. 
Maybe you've heard that story in Sunday school before, right? God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. Nineveh instead gets on a boat and he goes the other way. A storm comes and it's not a natural kind of storm and the sailors on the boat know this. They don't know what to do about it. They start throwing things overboard because they think the ship is going to sink. Now, here's what's actually happening there. So in, in, uh, in the Hebrew language, the word for sea is the word yam. Yam also happens to be the name of the pagan god of the sea. So when it says in the original Hebrew of Jonah that the sea was raging, yam was raging, it's sort of that double meaning of it's not just the storm on the sea that's raging, but it's their pagan god of the sea who's raging. So they start throwing all these things off the ship, the sailors do. Now, it's, that's not smart to do, actually, if, if you've ever sailed before or know boats, because they're getting rid of all the ballast. They're taking all the weight that keeps the ship upright, and they're throwing it out. Why are they doing this? They're just kind of ensuring that they're going to sink. Well, what they're doing is they're, they're sacrificing whatever they can to Yom, the sea, the pagan god of the sea. They're throwing all this stuff out into the ocean, hoping that they will appease the anger of their pagan god so that the storm will go away. That's what's happening in chapter 1 when Jonah's on this boat and a storm comes and they're going to sink. The sailors cast lots to find out who is to blame. It falls on Jonah. Jonah has to come clean. He says, yep, it's me. I'm the reason this storm is here. You're throwing all this other stuff overboard as a sacrifice to your God, but that's not it. You've got to throw me overboard. I'm the one who has to go so that the storm will go away. They're reluctant to do that, but eventually they give in. They throw Jonah over, and the storm stops. Jonah, however, as he sinks, doesn't drown. God sends a fish to swallow him. And inside of that fish for three days, Jonah prays. This is chapter 2. So Jonah chapter 2 is the prayer. The prayer of Jonah from inside the fish. And he prays as he's sinking down, acknowledging that, God, I have done wrong and I am sinking to the very gates of death at the bottom of the sea. But he acknowledges that God can save him, even from there. That he does not give up hope in the salvation of God for him. God hears that prayer. Here's Jonah's repentance and commands the fish, spit him out on the shore. So that's what happens. That's chapters 1 and 2, right? He runs away from God. He repents from inside this fish. And he receives the forgiveness of God. Then comes chapter 3. And this is what we read here today. That Jonah goes and he gives a message to the people of Nineveh. But look at the message that he gives, right? It it was in the passage that I read there. You see it in verse 4. All he says is this, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's all he says to the people of Nineveh. Now, put this one in frame of mind if you're thinking this one through, that Jonah has just tried to run away from God. He knows he's done wrong. He's repented of what he's done. He's prayed for God to save him. And God does that. 
in a rather miraculous fashion. I mean, if anyone were to come into Nineveh with a testimony, a testimony of, let me tell you what God's salvation can do for you, it would have been Jonah. No one's got a better God-can-save-you story than Jonah. Right? This is one of those Instagram stories that's right at the top. No one can match that. But Jonah doesn't do that. Jonah does not come into Nineveh and give them a story of, you know what? If you just repent, God will turn. God will bring forgiveness. He says nothing of that. The only message that Jonah brings to Nineveh is this. 40 days and you all die. That's it. Because somewhere in Jonah's heart, let's face it, that's what he wanted to see. That's what Jonah wanted to happen. He did not want to go to Nineveh in the first place. And he sort of what, spills the beans and lets us know that, right? In those first verses of chapter 4, where we get to that, where Jonah is angry, And he says, this was the reason why. This was the reason, because I knew it. I knew that if I went there and if I said something about it, that if they repented, you were going to forgive them, because I know that you're a God like that. And I didn't want that to happen. I'd rather see you destroy them than see you forgive them. That's what we see happening there. Chapter 4 ends then with Jonah just stewing in this anger that he can't get past. He's so intent on wanting to see this, what he does is he, he does what, he, what God tells him to do, right? Spends three days traveling through Nineveh proclaiming this message. Forty days and you all die. Then apparently he sticks around for 40 days. But not in the city. He's far enough out that he can still see it all because he's waiting He's waiting because he's thinking in his head, if they don't repent, if they don't turn, they're all going to perish. And I want to see that with my own eyes. That's how far Jonah has fallen into this, right? He's so upset because the people of Nineveh, well, they got the same forgiveness from God that he got. That Jonah himself when he was at the doors of death, when he was right there, Jonah himself received the forgiveness of God. And now he's angry that this same forgiveness is going to someone else. Not just a little frustrated, right? He says he's angry enough to die. Take my life instead of this. Or in other words, to put it in maybe one of the phrases that makes sense to us in our day, that he says, God, if you want to forgive those people, you can do it over my dead body. That's how upset Jonah is. That's what he literally says to God in this passage. That's how angry he is. So let's consider that then. Jonah's faith. What's going on with Jonah's faith here in this story, in this passage, in this moment, right? How does Jonah get so far off track? Because he knows the truth. And he says that, right? He says, I know who you are, God. I know that you're a God who's 
compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love. I know that about you. He believes and knows in his head all the right things. It's not that he doesn't have any idea who God is or what God does. He knows it. But everything inside of him wants to push against that. He won't accept it. He knows who God is, but he won't accept it. He refuses to. How does someone's faith get so misdirected, points in the direction so far in the wrong way that it comes that way? How do we see that happen? Well, there's, there's a German word. I don't know if anyone here speaks German, right? German word, schadenfreude. Heard that word before? Schadenfreude? No. All right, well, schadenfreude is a word that the Germans use for taking pleasure in the misfortune of others. That's what that means. Or here, the actual definition that you will find in a dictionary is this, schadenfreude. The experience of pleasure, joy, or self-satisfaction that comes from learning of or witnessing the troubles, failures, or humiliations of another. That there's something inside of Jonah that wants bad things to happen to the people he doesn't like. Right? It's not just that he wants to take vengeance on them. It's not his own revenge. He's actually delighting when others fail, when others perish, if he doesn't like them. Right? That's schadenfreude. That's where Jonah is. That's where his heart is stuck in that moment. And it's pulling his faith down with him in that direction. Right? It's it's stuck and misguided that way. Now, all right, I, I would hope that we are the kind of people who maybe don't secretly wish for the destruction of entire populations of people. But maybe this just brings to mind those questions of, all right then, all right, where is it in our own lives that maybe in some way our own faith can go off the rails a little bit, can turn in the wrong direction, can, can be misguided and misdirected in some way? Does that happen to us too? Because I believe the story of Jonah is in the Bible for a reason, to teach us something, to show us something about who we are and our own relationship to God, that sometimes we find some of those misdirections of our own faith coming up too. It happens. Maybe it's not a sense of anger or vengeance all the time. Maybe sometimes it comes more as a sense of entitlement. Not that we think what God shouldn't do for those other people, but sometimes maybe we're stuck in what God should be doing for me, that I deserve more. I've done all the right things and lived by all the right rules, so why am I not getting my share? Right? Sometimes, maybe it's not the anger at others, but it's the entitlement of what we think we should get, that sometimes those things can take over in our life of faith. And we wonder, wonder about how God works in those ways. Where maybe, maybe like Jonah, we know the answer. We know who God is. But 
sometimes it's just so hard to accept it, right? To come to a place where I will admit this is who God is. You know, this, this actually had a term in, in the Bible and in the church that sometimes they would talk about the offense of the gospel, right? Uh, the offense of the gospel in the terms of the ways that the message, the story of the gospel actually is offensive. It offends us. It offends people. That was a way that they talked about how Jesus would interact with the Pharisees and the religious rulers in the time in which Jesus lived, right? These, these religious rulers who controlled the Jewish people back then, when Jesus came and had this message of grace and love and forgiveness, and Jesus came and, and he hung out with all the wrong people. That, that Jesus came and would give forgiveness to people who weren't supposed to be forgiven. That Jesus comes into that. And those who thought, but I'm living by the right rules and I'm doing it the right way, that was offensive. That God would do that. That God would give his love and his mercy and his forgiveness to people that, for whatever reason, in my own mind, I thought, they don't deserve it. But isn't that what grace is? Love that we don't deserve. Any of us. So there's that point where Jonah finds this offensive. He's offended that the love and forgiveness, the mercy that he himself received from God, now he's offended that, wait, those people get it too? They get that same mercy too? It's that checkpoint for Jonah. So what brings a person to that, right? Where, where does faith sort of hook into that in ways that maybe are not all that helpful? that don't really give us a good answer to that. Well, for Jonah, of course, I mean, it, it tells us in the passage, he's angry, that he is just stewing in his anger. And what we're seeing here is that faith does not come from a place of anger, right? That faith that really follows and hooks into where God's heart is does not come from a place of anger. Faith does not come from a place of vengeance. Faith does not come from a place of greed. Faith does not come from a place of envy. Faith does not come from a place of violence. That when you and I find ourselves in those moments where our hearts are consumed by those things, anger, greed, envy, and it pulls our faith there too in ways that even though we know it, we don't want to admit and we will not accept. So how do we pull back from that, right? When we find ourselves in those places where maybe it becomes apparent to us that, yeah, I, I struggle in some ways where my heart doesn't align with God's heart. 
How do we get back from that? Well, look what happens in the story of Jonah. That Jonah, I mean, he literally tried to run away from God. I mean, it it wasn't metaphorical in that sense, but literally tried to run the other way, and God wouldn't let him go, right? God went after him. There was no place Jonah could go that was too far away for God to find him again. In our lives and in our lives where maybe we see and come to realize, all right, I've got a moment or two in my life where my faith seems to be a little bit off the rails too. That I have moments in my life where faith is challenging for me and I'm not sure it's pointed in the right direction. That just like in the story of Jonah, God comes in those moments and he says, I'm going to chase you down and bring you back. He doesn't just let you go. He doesn't just say, fine, good riddance, be gone then. God never says, that's it, I'm done with you, I give up, it's over, you just go away then. That doesn't happen. In those moments where maybe we find that realization of our own faith finds those times of weakness or doubt or misdirection, God chases you down, comes after you. God says, I'm not done with you. I'm not giving up on you. There's nowhere you can go that's too far away. There's no hole that you can dig that's too deep for me to pull you out of again. Right? There's nothing that you've ever done that is so bad that God cannot forgive and restore you again. That's who God is. That's how God shows up in this story. Shows up that way in the life of Jonah. It shows up that way in the entire city of Nineveh that God comes to them. And then Jonah is just left with that question. That question. A question from God. Why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? If if you actually finish and and read all of chapter 4, the book of Jonah ends with that same question again where God asked the question, shouldn't I be concerned about all those people too? Shouldn't I? And the story ends there. Jonah never answers that question in the book of Jonah intentionally because the author of Jonah actually means that to be a question for us, the readers, to answer. Shouldn't we be concerned about all the others who God loves, who God calls Others who, like ourselves, don't deserve his mercy and his love. But because of grace, he gives it anyway. How do we respond? So in, in, the, uh, in the bulletin, in the outline there, I've, I've given plenty of spaces for, for response, right? All right, how does Jonah respond to these things? And how would we respond to these things? Let, let me put one more response up there. A response from God. How does God respond? Because even in this story, even when Jonah is dead set against trying to be on board with anything that God does, God never gives up on him. Never gives up on him. God's response is is one where he relentlessly pursues Jonah in his heart to align with his own heart. And that's a response that God gives for us too. Right? That's a response for us in our world today. 
that when we find those moments of, of crisis or doubt or misdirection in our own life of faith, that we stand on that promise of who God is in the same way it came to Jonah, that God's relentless pursuit of your heart to align your faith with his heart never stops. Never. God's relentless pursuit of your heart to align your faith with his heart never stops. So we claim that promise. Claim that promise in knowing wherever that is for you today. Right? I mean, if you're sitting in this place today and you think, yeah, all this story about faith and that, but I just don't have that kind of faith. Or my faith is just not that strong. Whatever that comes to you, it's never too far. You're never too deep. God will always pursue you to realign your heart in a faith that matches his heart. He never stops doing that. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word and how we see your truth come through it time and time again. Thank you for the ways that we see that in the life and in the story of Jonah, a reminder that we're never too far away. We're never in too deep, that you always come for us, that you always pull us back to yourself again. And Lord, we pray, we pray that where maybe in our own lives of faith, we feel some some doubt, some misdirection, if we feel some of that anger or frustration or some of that entitlement of what it is we think we deserve, Lord, thank you that you don't give up, that your Holy Spirit always works in us to align us with your heart again. Do that in us, we pray. Amen.